The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Navigating the journey called life doesn't get any easier as we move through it, but we can learn from what we have within us to make it more enjoyable in the long run. Welcome to Mental Sherpa by Theta Spring. Your host is Alexandra Janelli. In our program, we set out to provide you with the undiscovered wisdom within you to handle even life's bumpy spots. Now, here is the host, founder and practitioner of Theta Spring, Alexandra Janelli. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Mental Sherpa Show with your host, Alexandra Janelli. Today, we have a special guest with us who wrote a play and she's actually a singer and songwriter from the UK who's written the play single now I had the privilege of actually being invited to go see a reading of this play so I can tell you firsthand that when I watched it and the reason I wanted to have Karen on the show was I was in awe that the story that she was telling felt so familiar on so many levels even though it wasn't my story and I wanted to bring Karen on because it was a story that was near and dear to her heart so I want to introduce Karen Bishko. Hello. Welcome, Karen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's so fun. So t- I was hoping you could tell my audience just a little bit about you and what you've been up to uh, with this play. Okay, so um, it's a musical. More musical. Than a, yes, totally. Okay. My apologies. So it's okay. Um, I'm a singer-songwriter from the UK, and I started my... Um, singing career very late. I was mm-hmm. a painter, actually. And um, I many things happened. There was a twist of fate, and I changed... Uh, I started doing music, writing songs. But I was already in my 30s at that point, early 30s. And um, I got this manager who had been head of Sony Records for years, but he didn't quite know what to do with me because of my age. Because sure. you have to be about... 12 to get a recording deal these days such an ageist I know industry (laughs) so um we did try and go down that route but it didn't happen and we decided that I should write something um as a vehicle for my songs which wasn't that difficult because the songs told a story without that they told they told a story anyway my songs are very real stories about my love life generally they're not generic lyrics. They're actually very real. Uh, but I tell stories about what, what has happened. So um, they actually did make sense in a story anyway. I'd had a few relationships that were uh, difficult. And so I just wrote a show around the songs. That's incredible. So the show was actually written around... the yes. mu- So the music came first, actually, before the, the, the yes. play was written. The music came first, which is not necessarily an ideal way to sit down and write a musical, but I, w- I am not someone that's trained in musical theatre writing. I just right. wanted to write a pop show. So actually your description when you call it a play, it, it, I, I would be happy for it to be called a play with pop songs. Okay. Or a play with songs because it's not traditional musical theatre. And I think that 
um, shows that we've seen recently on Broadway are going down that route, jukebox musicals or even shows like Once. I'm not sure if you I saw that. I did. It was my favorite play. Me too. I so, loved it. Yeah. Or it, musical. Right. And and, and in, in Once, there was usually a good reason for singing a song. It wasn't right. just random. He was trying to make it as a, you know, a pop star. Very interesting. So, um... Yeah, so mine is more, well, as you know, because you've seen it, it's more along those lines. So could you give my listeners a little bit of the background of the story? Um, You don't have to go yet into the heartbreak part, but just give them a brief synopsis of what the play, or the play with pop music is. Okay, so the story, in a nutshell, is of a 36-year-old woman who, when she was 20, had a big pop hit that she didn't write, although she did write songs, but that wasn't one of them. And um, the record company told her to lose a few pounds. Lovely. And and that she couldn't sing her own songs on stage. And she'd kind of been a bit of a star, but she got complete stage fright after that. She didn't want anyone looking at her. And she gave up. At that time, she was in a very, very happy relationship with an airline pilot who really loved her. And... When she gave up her music, she became quite unhappy and the relationship went downhill as a result. So the show takes place 16 years later. She's a very successful divorce attorney, but not so successful in her love life. She doesn't trust men anymore. She hears stories of uh, men being unfaithful because what she's become very good at is shepherding women through difficult divorces. Sure. Which reinforces her story. Exactly. So... um, Her best friend sees her misery and her going on date after date, app after app, swipe after swipe. I have no idea what that's like in the New York scene. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So um, her best friend encourages her to go for singing lessons and learn to perform again. Right. um, Because that was when she knew her as happy. And she ends up going to see a vocal coach who has had a similar experience to her in that he had a huge big album and then really had a writing block. So it's kind of her story about, um, it's a story of how they help each other. There's circuitry there. He helps her to trust men again. He's in a happy relationship. Um, And she helps him to write again because her songs are really from the heart and they're full of truth and he just has forgotten how to write. And his block was writing for him in terms of where she was working on. Exactly. He just kept trying to write the same album over and over again rather than writing about who he is now. He kept writing about how he was then. Right. So he takes her truth and see how, sees how she writes and he helps her to overcome her stage fright and be who she is. So, um, and hopefully meet someone in the end. Right, right. You'll have to stay tuned and wait for it to come out so you can all come see it to see what happens. Well, actually, that was quite a difficult choice, whether to have a happy ending. Um, People feel very differently about that. So, yeah, that was quite a big part of... that That was a big decision for the end for me. Right, and... Because, you know, it is a show called Single, and... um, it's certainly not a show that I want women especially to come to and feel that they can't be happy without finding a man. Right. But at the same time, um, I do think relationships and love are really important. So, um, yeah. 
So we'll have to wait and see on that one. I certainly know how it ends, but I won't ruin the surprise for everybody else. Tell me, the this has been a process for you in terms of writing it, you know, starting as a singer, and then they don't know what to do with you, to this place where all of a sudden now you have to sit down and write. Right. Where are you in that process in terms of getting it on the stage? Is it, I mean, I went to the reading. It was incredible. Tell us a little bit about where you are in your process? Well, it's been a very long process, I'm not going to lie. I, you know, when I started doing it, I had no idea about writing a musical and how expensive it is to put theatre on, which someone told me the other day is eight times more expensive in New York than London. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, so tell us a bit about, this is a whole area I know nothing about, but I'm sure a lot of people don't. So So the reason I came to New York, I moved here pretty much to Mm -hmm. do this, and... The story has changed along the way. As most musicals do, they get rewritten and rewritten, and that's a very normal thing. It used to be about a Jewish woman in therapy, and I thought I'd better come to New York to do it because in London, no one admits to being in therapy and no one admits to being Jewish. Right. So, so <laughs> in New York, was, you've got enough of that. Like, whereas, yeah. If you don't have yeah, a therapist, it's you're like, just weird. You're just you weird. Have, you don't yeah. have a therapist. So, um, so I came here, but. The therapy, when it was a show about therapy, I actually loved it. It was a lot of fun. It was very quirky, but many people in theatre said, show don't tell. So, Hmm. what you know, she spent too much time describing her problems to the therapist. So I tried to make it more of a story where we were seeing what the problem was. Um, And so, yes, that's one of the major changes. Um... So where am I in the process? Well, it is going to be on at the New York Musical Festival this summer, the end of July and beginning of August, which um, is great. It, you know, it's been chosen out of hundreds of shows, which is wonderful. And it's a great showcase for someone like me because it actually enables uh, authors to put their shows on for probably about a third or a quarter of the the price it's right. still you still have to still raise have to pay. funds but um they have you know deals with the unions and it and it's a little bit che- uh, cheaper cheaper that's not a great word easier it's easier yeah good reframe yes so um so that's what's happening in july so i'm just in the process now of gathering my creative team uh directors and casting it and everything it's very exciting that is exciting yeah that's really congratulations that's Thank a big you. deal to be invited to do that Thanks. um where what's your dream place for this to be shown like broadway if, any theater in particular yeah there's a theater called the helen hayes theater which is not a huge theater which i think you know i go to see everything and when i go in some of the huge theaters it's very difficult for to feel intimacy okay so I'm keener on the smaller uh venues but and that's a great one Rock of Ages was in there okay um what is it about intimacy and the theater type that is really important in your vision of the play well because I'm from a singer-songwriter background I've always gone to see live music all my life and those concerts that I went to when I was young, I used to go in London, so it was Wembley Arena and Wembley Stadium, 
Um, and then the smaller venues. I always love the smaller venues. It's like going here to Beacon Theatre. Right. It's just you can f- feel like you're with the artists. So because my show is a, a pop show and she's singing really heartfelt, intimate songs, I just don't want anyone to be too far away from that. And I know that my enjoyment of a show is often to do with how near I am to the stage. That's right. the truth, yeah. Were you interested in theater growing up? Has it, or did it sort of blossom from entering into this portion of your career? It definitely blossomed from doing it. Right. But yes, some of my earliest memories are, I remember seeing Annie mm-hmm. when I was really young, and I remember... I didn't know what an orphan was. I was probably, I don't know, maybe I was seven or something or six. And I remember being in the bar in the intermission with my parents and I was hysterical crying because I just found out what an orphan was and then I was worried that something would happen to my parents. Yeah. And um, they nearly had to take me home and they said, look, we'll take you home. And I was like, no, I want to see the the rest. I want to see act two, yeah. And thank God you did, right? And thank God, because... What an ending! What anyway. <laughs> so I remember that, and then I and then I loved Andrew Lloyd Webber when I was younger. I Who loved I think, Starlight Express. I, I love loved that too. Cats. My Amazing. grandfather took us to that, and then who didn't like cats? That was incredible. Incredible. I mean, for that time, what he was doing, and also, I'm big on melody, and he has such poppy, catchy melodies. Mm. I just always wanted to buy the albums after. I think I know every yep. word of every one of his musicals. We can sing Starlight Express later. I'm pretty sure definitely. it's definitely locked in a vault in my brain. But yeah. when I hear that tune, I'm like, oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I know that. Um, and, of course, Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, and, which... you know, Phantom of the Opera is the biggest grossing piece of entertainment of all time. You can name any any film, any show, nothing has made more money than Phantom. I think it's something like six billion. It was, it's just so good. I have yeah. to say, I saw it again not too long ago, and I was a little disappointed. I saw it when I was a kid, you know, bought the album, knew every word, and then was a little disappointed. It sort of changed when they had all the headsets that were doing the translation. Oh, I haven't seen that. I think it, I mean, the guy next to me definitely was listening to a translator, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. But there's something about the show that, for me at least, changed. But Yeah, you know, I think anything like that can lose its magic, especially mm-hmm. when you've seen it when you're a kid. You know, they're bringing cats back. And I, I will go, and I know I'll love it, but I'm not going to like it like the first time I experienced Thought. that. Yeah. Um, actually, often for me, the second time I see a show is my is my favorite time. Really? What do you think it is about the second time? Um, I usually find when I see a show, there's so much to take in. It's like overload in a good way, especially when there's music for me. Yeah. You know, you've got all the the way it's directed, everything that's happening on the on the stage, the story and the music that I literally can't take it all in. So the second time I noticed so much that um, I didn't see the, the first, the first time. time. Um, I recently saw American Psycho, which I just thought was fantastic. A lot of people haven't enjoyed it like I did, but I definitely want to go again. Yeah. So it was incredibly directed. That's interesting. I just saw for the first time, and I can't believe it took me this long to see it, but Jersey Boys, and they had moved it to a smaller theater. And I loved Jersey Boys. I loved, even though it wasn't the original star or any of the original cast, it was just so phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, the talent in New York... I mean, is in, it's exceptional. It's in the fact, music too. The guy who you saw play uh, my lead guy, mm-hmm. Gabriel, the character, 
was a Jersey boy for years, Jeremy Kushner. He's brilliant. I didn't, I just remember when we were rehearsing, we barely had to say anything. He just did exactly what was in the script and sang exactly how I wanted it. So much talent in New York. Right. And Jersey Boys is a really special show because it's kind of small but perfectly formed. Yeah, and I think it was so wonderful. You know the music. So yeah. what was so special was you're sitting around and people are singing with with the cast. Uh-huh. Oh, loved it. And it was just, you know, it wasn't my generation, but learning all about Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons that of the yeah. progression and what an honest, like... All their stuff was done on a handshake. Who knew? Right. I love that, like, honest storytelling. Absolutely. Which, when we get back from the break, if it's okay, we're going to get into a little bit of your story and how it inspired what it is you have written. Okay. Good. So when we come <laughs> back from the break, with we're, we'll, we'll talk more about your story and your inspiration for your play. Again, we're here with Karen Bishko, who is a singer and songwriter from the UK. We'll be right back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Visit the Theta Spring Hypnosis Store to find out more about our home hypnosis programs and detox systems. Our hypnosis programs bring the power of our therapy to the comfort of your own home or on your mobile device. Our detox system has been formulated as the first ever mind and body detox. The Burn and Build Body 14-Day Anti-Aging Detox Kit is a food-based detox that has an optional subconscious support program. Stay committed and create sustainable change while cleansing your body. Visit betaspring.com forward slash store. We have a special 15% discount for our listeners. Use promo code VA15 at checkout. Are you ready for a health, life, and empowerment show in one? Then be sure to listen every week for Living Well with Ann Beal. Ann takes her long-running TV show to the Internet Talk Radio Airwaves with guest experts and insight designed to help you live a healthy and successful life. By hearing from the experts and those who have found success, our goal is that you too will be motivated to do the same. Living Well with Ann Beal can be heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Metal Sherpa by Theta Spring. To reach Alexandra Janelli or her guest on today's program, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to aginelli at thetaspring.com. Now, back to The Mental Sherpa Show. Welcome back to The Mental Sherpa Show. Today we are interviewing Karen Bishko, who's a singer and songwriter from the UK who's written a musical or a pop play or Mm -hmm. play with pop music in it uh, called Single. And before the break, we were talking a little bit about stories and the stories that come through in different plays. And Karen's story actually that she's written comes from a place of personal experience. And I was hoping you might be able to share a little bit about that. I know you do in the play, but it's a little different of your inspiration. Was there a turning point in your life 
where you were like, this needs to be written about? Whether in music or in play form? Are you talking about the subject matter, the relationship stuff? Yeah. Okay. Um, You know, again, it was much more about the songs in the first place. So I had a breakup. I was with um, a pilot for about four years. It's a long time ago now. And Mm -hmm. at the end of that relationship, I just wrote a couple of songs. And I know that sounds a bit strange because I wasn't writing songs from when I was a kid, but... My dad always used to sit at the piano and kind of plonk away, couldn't play it properly, and sing. And when we were kids, he used to come and make me sing the harmonies and Mm, pay my friends 50p to sing the harmonies too. (laughs) And so I always watched him doing that. And then I was in a lot of pain with this breakup. And I just sat down and wrote some songs. I don't really know how. They just kind of came to me. Um, So... That was really how the story started. And then I got involved with some sort of 80s pop stars. They heard a couple of songs I'd written. They called me in the studio. It was actually Gary Kemp, mm-hmm. who I don't know if you know who he is. He's from a band called Spandau Ballet, who had the hits uh, True. I could sing it for you. I'm sure you know it. And Gold. <laughs> Go for it. And uh, No, I won't actually. And anyway, so <laughs> Gary is, he's a he's a big, He's very well respected in the music business in the UK. And he said to me one day, you can really write songs. Just just write. Mm. I think I'd only written two at that point. But the minute Gary said that to me, I was like, wow. I, I was a painter. I didn't enjoy painting. I always felt like there was something else creative that I wanted to do. And I had no idea what it was. Isn't it amazing how just one, one person's thing. comment or message to you can strike such an emotional chord? It completely changed my life. It's almost like he was like, borrow my confidence in you and run with that and see what happens. Yeah, it was. And then I wrote and I wrote and I just wrote a whole load of songs around that period about what I was seeing. And really it was because I was 29, I think. And I'd been through this breakup. And that summer I went to about six weddings. All my friends got married. And I started really panicking about Mm -hmm. female problems. Well, I think it's so normal and common that you start to see people following in that trajectory right and it does cause a panic of what's wrong with me or why is my life not like this why am I not in the norm Mm -hmm. and I love that you sort of took that moment a lot of people just internalize it but you wrote about it you put it to music yeah so in terms of you were a musician before what instruments do you play I, I just play the piano, but okay. not, not very well, honestly. Sure. I mean, a lot of the songs I write sort of come into my head, mm-hmm. and then I sit down at the piano, or I plonk some chords and then write them. But I don't really write songs unless I've got a story to tell. Okay. So that's how I, that's how I do it. So it's an outlet. Definitely. And I feel for me, sometimes I'm not that articulate. It's definitely my best outlet. I was... I was quite good at poetry at school. Um, so, it, you know, it's re- there's something really magical about being able to work on lyrics. Although I'm very quick, it doesn't take me that long, but you can really consider what you're saying. And I remember Gary also saying to me in the studio, you know, get it right, because once you've recorded it, once you've recorded that song, those lyrics are there, they're set in stone. And so I'm very careful with every single word that it means something and that it's honest. I try to be so honest. 
with my songs. And one of the things, sorry. On no, in honest meaning it's true to what you're really feeling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and to what really happened. Okay. Because you know, I listen to a lot of songs and I don't really believe the emotion behind the song, and other times I believe it completely. Completely, and I cry. Where you feel it. Yeah, I mean, there's a Sarah Bareilles song called Between the Lines where mm-hmm. I cannot listen to it without crying. You just can feel every emotion. You can feel and there's other pain. ones I feel like, they just sat down to try and write a sad song here and I'm just not buying it. Yeah. Um, so your songs are honest. Yeah, so, so what happened as well was that I ended up uh, opening for a band in the UK called Take That, who I know aren't very known here, but they are Britain's biggest pop band. They've actually sold more records than the Beatles. So that was kind of a, wow. a big thing. And what happened was uh, they have a lot of female fans. <sighs> it's funny how that I happened. I got a lot of people writing to me after that with their problems because of my lyrics. So I actually started a, a problem page online, um, which was another thing that just happened. You know, you don't really expect people to start confiding in you because of your lyrics, but... It also made me realize that the people get it and they're honest and everyone everyone feels these things and everyone goes through these things. What was that like for you to be to get this response, right? It was it sounds like it was completely unexpected. Like there's a part of the industry and business that you didn't re- maybe realize existed but it hadn't for you. And here are all these women showing up just telling you their pains. What was your experience of that? Well, it really, actually, there's something, you probably feel this in your job, there's mm-hmm. a big responsibility if you write back to someone's problem and you're really trying to help them. But I do feel like if you do it with the right consciousness, you can help someone. Um, I felt really good about the fact that my lyrics were honest enough and real enough that people were feeling that they could share something so intimate and personal with me. I think it's so hard to even go to some of those painful places with your emotions that, you know, whether it's a therapist's office with a friend, but even listening to a song, it's like holding a space and having permission to feel that and know that you're not alone is such a wonderful feeling that, you know, and I can say having sat through your play, there were a few moments where it just resonated so much. I mean, I'm not going to give it away, but when the two women were at the doctor's office and you're just like, <laughs> wow, yeah. I mean, at 34, almost 35 now, I'm like, that's a reality. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I've tried to write about things that are a reality. I've also put humor in there because otherwise everyone's just going to sit and weep. Right. And there are some weepy moments for sure. In fact, I've definitely had the experience where a couple of people have seen it where, for instance, they've just broken up with someone and it's been a bit too much for them. I'm sure. It's all perspective, right? If you're in a happy relationship, you can see and go, oh, I remember those days, but I'm right. sure being or if, wrong. You, or if you're single but in a good place, yep. if you've just broken up with someone or, you know, and there are moments there's we touch on, well, it, like infidelity. Yep. Um infertility yep many things that lots of people are gonna find uh real horrible dates horrible dates i think we've all been on those (laughs) (laughs) but it's funny because you kind of have to go through that too well some people don't i'm not sure why (laughs) (laughs) i can tell you more women than not come through my office having at least one horrible date 
I'm sure. Well, you know, and for me, the, the whole point of this play is you can go through all that stuff and not channel it in any way. I had to find, I have to find a reason why I'm single and um, to try and give something with that rather than just feel like a victim the whole time. It's so a if, wonderful way of putting it. Right. Well, thank you. Right. I, I, you don't have to be the victim. No, and very often I feel like it. I'm not going to lie. And sometimes I'm sure my songs and my lyrics sound very uh, victim-y. But at least at least I feel like I'm doing something creative with, with, with it, it, with the pain. And I think, you know, the victim state, as I tell my clients, it's not, it's not that you'll never go there. It's how, what do you do when you are there and how long do you stay there to That's realize, right. you know, in the victim state, emotions are very raw and they're heavy. Yeah. But the more you can give yourself permission to like see them from an optimistic place of like, you know, I can tell myself this story, but I can also maybe think of the other stories of like what's coming or has been or might be. Exactly. Too. Yeah, um, which is very, very difficult. And that's why the ending was such an important uh, part of the show for me. Right. But um, it's not always easy to stick with the optimism. Some people can. I must admit, most of my friends who are in good relationships did stay optimistic. So I think there's a lot to be said for the law of attraction. Yeah, I think it, but it's also to know, you know, to, to say I'm never going there or would be setting yourself up for disappointment right. is what I tell my clients because it's, you're going to go there. It's just being, having that ability to choose how you want to approach it from. It's not any, none of them are wrong. It's not wrong to say, man, dating sucks because there's a part of it that really does. But dating, as I think your story tells so nicely and that you've articulated on the show is it's really about learning about yourself first, putting yourself into the dating world to learn about yourself in relation to someone else also Mm -hmm. and seeing what you get back. Right. And that certain relationships, we t- I, I see it all the time with women when they get broken up with, or even men, they're like, it was so about me while they had broke up with me. Right. Um, when it's not always. Well, but it's hard actually, not to very think that often too. It's, it's not. From what yeah. I've seen, and I do a lot of research on I was going to say, what does really a relationship... Do. Well, yeah. it's just that I, I've, no- I've noticed people have patterns so they can just repeat the same pattern over and over again, and it might have absolutely nothing to do with you. On the other hand, I'm all for self-development and growth and not mm-hmm. ignoring if there's, if there's a problem. People don't often tell you if you're doing something And I think wrong. that's the shame of it in dating, isn't it? Where it's not that someone has to shame and blame you saying you did this wrong, but to give them honest feedback at the end of like, here's you know it's like I definitely I have great respect for you I'm trying to communicate like here's where we differed and and that's okay yeah do what you want with it right as I think well you're not responsible for their reaction right um well yeah I mean that's a whole different yeah I'm asking for feedback or giving feedback I the most most important thing for me when I date is that Look, sometimes it's just awful and people say appalling things. I've had some really appalling things said mm-hmm. to me on dates. But I, I try and go there with the attitude of even if it's not for me, and you know that in the first two minutes, which I usually do, yep. just you can still, someone can still be very interesting and have a story to tell. Yeah. And 
it's also good with I think going with an attitude of giving not what you can get from the date but if you can inspire someone or whatever it is yeah um, that's how I try and not make my dates so depressing but there was one guy when I was 36 <laughs> I remember I think it was about the day after my birthday and he said something like oh I have a friend we, we call women over 36 egg rotters <gasps> I swear to god he said that to me can you believe it I just left I actually That's did. horrible. I know. Shame on him. Shame on him. We're sending no him some is. attention and love. <laughs> I'm going to send him love because good. and good. some thoughtfulness on his end. Hopefully, <laughs> that must have come from a particular place. Uh, unfortunately, poorly delivered. Yeah. <laughs> Keep next in your day, head. Next day, froze my eggs. <laughs> next day, did the whole fertility thing. <laughs> froze my eggs. Well, maybe something good came out of that, though. You <laughs> saved some eggs. <laughs> but my God, yeah, dating has been, you know, I'm sure it's a source of a lot of inspiration for you. I'm sh- have you met a lot of interesting people on your dates? Oh, yeah. Amazing people. So what is your research? If you had a takeaway from just dating as a modality of research, what's your takeaway with that? Oh, my God. I want to totally say, I don't want to be negative, but I do want to say I think New York is very difficult to date and it's such a generalization and I used to think people are talking rubbish because if you meet you only need one if you meet the right one you meet the right one but wow this whole first of all the exclusivity thing here that does not exist where I come from right so you have to deal with that I think that people dare I say it have sex way too early yep and so no one knows what they're dealing with no one knows who's sleeping with other people Mm -hmm. it's not it doesn't make for intimacy or planting a good seed in a relationship, in sure. my opinion, anyway. Um, and I think there's lots of difficulties. Having said that, there's many men who are yearning for a good and uh, intimate relationship. So it's I can't say that about everyone. Unfortunately, it's just not. But it's what you guys you, it's into. what you've seen so far, and yeah. that's okay. And what I you know when you say all that, I hear so many core beliefs come out of things that you really would like in a relationship, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, maybe waiting a bit longer on the sex thing, monogamy, you know, honesty, openness, which don't sound like unreasonable things to want at all. No, they're just not very expected anymore. Yeah, and I think that's become the culture in the dating scene here. Mm -hmm. It's It's not necessarily everywhere, but it seems to be a little bit more of the norm. I think here, for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of very beautiful women running around. And, uh, yeah, anyway, we, we know about that. <laughs> when we come back from the break, we're going to continue talking with Karen about her incredible play and story. And so we will be right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Visit the Theta Spring Hypnosis Store to find out more about our home hypnosis programs and detox systems. Our hypnosis programs bring the power of our therapy to the comfort of your own home or on your mobile device. Our detox system has been formulated as the first ever mind and body detox. The Burn and Build Body 14-Day Anti-Aging Detox Kit is a food-based detox that has an optional subconscious support program. Stay committed and create sustainable change while cleansing your body. Visit thetaspring.com forward slash store. We have a special 15% discount for our listeners. Use promo code VA15 at checkout. 
Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions, some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Metal Sherpa by Theta Spring. To reach Alexandra Janelli or her guest on today's program, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to ajanelli at thetaspring.com. Now, back to The Mental Sherpa Show. Welcome back to The Mental Sherpa Show. We are here with Karen Bishko, who's singer and songwriter of the wonderful play and musical single. Karen, we were just talking about relationships and dating, and I was curious what it was like for you to have to actually see in the reading of your play that I came to, which mm-hmm. is sort of a mock version of the play itself. Yeah. Um what was it like to see it performed there in front of you? Oh, wow. I mean, I've done a few readings like that. Um, what I was it like the first time? The first time, it, it can be very emotional because actually hearing people sing my songs that mean so much to me can be really difficult, touching. I'm sure. There's some scenes in there, I don't know if you remember the flashbacks to the relationship with the yep. pilot, where it's actually really hard for me not to cry, even though it was yeah. so many years ago now. If the actors are doing their job right, then the emotion is is there. And I lived those moments. So, so it brings you right back there. Yeah. And I'm sure that's the same for any writer when they watch something that really happened to them. Right. Those are the main things that are really difficult. There's also... Well, anyway, I, I'm not going to say too much about the story, but... Um, I really love watching it and it can also be excruciating because usually the audience around me, there's some people who um, know the story, were there all those years ago. My parents, you know, people have known these men that I'm singing about, talking about. And it can be really embarrassing and it can be really, I don't know, ego-breaking in a way, in a good way. I was going to say that's got to be hard for a lot of people. Has anyone who was part of the story in terms of the pilot or anyone, they do they know you've written this? Yeah, he knows. Has he, he hasn't no, seen it. No, 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 no. I mean, the, well, you know, he, he married the uh, stewardess. Sorry, yeah. it's okay. It's part of it, yeah. I'm over it. Comes out early. <laughs> no, we're not. We can't, we don't really have contact in that right. way. And uh, I think it Dare I say, I think it would be difficult for him, actually, probably. I'm sure it would be. <laughs> no, you, to see your life written through someone else's eyes? Because yeah. I'm sure his story was probably a little different, too. I'm sure it was. And actually, one of the things I've tried to do in that story is I didn't want to have cre- um, create male characters that were one-sided. Right. Like, he just did this wrong, and it was all his fault. Because right. it wasn't. I played... A, huge role in in the demise of that relationship and 
I've really ha- tried to be true to that because there've been people along the way that wanted to develop it differently, make it very simple. Oh, he was just a, you know, a not jerk. a great yeah, and and it's no, not, you were it's not very the truth honest. And it's, and it's often not the truth. Yeah, no, I think in terms of the play it was very honest sort of the insecurities that came out and what right. we all go through in terms of the, you know, the pushing and the prodding and the feeling off center with ourselves in a relationship when those happen. Right. And actually one of the things that the the show has helped me do for myself in my personal life is really recognize that I have I have these issues that surface in a relationship I can't ignore them because if you ignore them they're just going to keep happening and you're going to keep repeating the same well patterns so um, the more honest I am in my writing, the more helpful I find it to be for me. Well, it's really what's interesting about that statement in hypnotherapy, we will sometimes have you, you know, our goal is to get you to shift your perspective, right? To take on whether it's in the hypnotic state and imagine if you went back to a certain period that you could see it from a third party perspective, watching it play out in front of you to get some resolution mm-hmm. from it. Because you're going to see it differently. Right. So it's and same. so I'm curious for you what your process of having seen this all transform, how it has maybe helped you, but maybe even hurt you in some ways of, you know, there's a component of this from what I'm, what I'm listening that I'm curious about is you're kind of looking to move past this traumatic period in your yeah. life. And yet it's constantly in your face. Yeah, which is also, that's problematic. And it's actually something she talks about in the play, the character, because she says, I keep singing these songs and I keep going back there and she's trying to move forward. Um, That's definitely very true. But I do think, I, I, I think, I'm not sure if we're being clear for people listening, but really what happens in this relationship is that so many of the the main characters' um, insecurities come to the surface and her unhappiness once she gives up singing that she starts pushing her boyfriend away really and telling and mistrusting him and she talks about him being unfaithful so much that in the end he goes and does it it's so like manifesting what you want yeah to she, avoid. She, exactly so um and that plants the seed too right in their head and so they way. say i mean i think I that there's a lot to be said for if you're not if you if you're not, not trusting someone in a relationship, then they're gonna think if if she doesn't trust me anyway, why am I even gonna bother? Or, or you know, if that was me, why? I'm already being punished for something. Yeah, I'm being punished for something I haven't done. I may as well do it. I may as well do it. Not saying it's right. It's I'm not like, saying it always <laughs> happens, but it did happen to me. Yeah. No, it's like being put in jail for a crime that you didn't commit, and then being you actually are allowed to almost do it outside right. jail. Right. Because you already paid your time. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, definitely from that I've learned when those when I'm in a relationship now and those insecurities surface, I am very aware of it, and I either can um, say something and repeat the mistake or put tape over my mouth, duct tape. Right, right, right. <laughs> or phone, or phone a friend. <laughs> I will choose the phone a friend, please. Yeah, phone a friend. But so, I think that's great that you can even be aware of the pattern because patterns can only change once you're aware of them. And then you create the option of what you want to do about it. Is this the same, you know, and you can rationalize it more. Right. But that's got to be hard. You know, we all have our baggage. Yeah. Also, I'm aware of, I don't know whether it's mainly women listeners, but when I'm PMSing, I'm a bit crazy. Yeah. I think guys are aware of this uh, thing that happens, but I just know to avoid certain situations now. 
I can't go shopping. I come home with clown outfits. Like, right. there is no point me having <laughs> a, an intense and important conversation at that time of the month for me. Right. I, I get weepy. I'm like, I'm crying. Just cry over like, nothing. What? It Ugh. does happen. Truly, it does exist. It really exists. Yeah. So, yeah, you learn. You learn how to uh, <laughs> make the best of these things. And I think that's a great way. You know, even the, as I say to on each show and try to wrap it around, the mission of the mental Sherpa, my theory is life doesn't get easier. It really doesn't. No. You just get to know yourself better and you're, you begin to relate differently to some of these old triggers. They just, you see them from a new perspective. They just become the story. But, it, you know, I think you articulated it well that your story is constantly in front of you. Mm-hmm. And it sort of keeps it there as that story. It's true. I'm wondering, you know, what your perspective, when the play is up and running and you sort of can distance yourself from it, what do you think that'll be like for you? I think I think it will be great. I think it yeah. will be really helpful. I have, I do write some other things. I've started writing something recently, a, a sitcom, oh, yeah. which is just funny. It is still about dating, but it's very lighthearted. Okay. Um... And there's real stuff in there, but it doesn't feel quite such a story about my past. It's not so personal. No, no, not yet. Anyway, <laughs> so um, and where does that get inspired from? This going for manicures. Oh. <laughs> I'm writing something about. We're getting a manicure right for, now. Yeah, yeah, going for going to nail salons because some of the stuff I hear isn't incredible. Unbelievable. It's just, it's unbelievable. I was having a manicure the other day and there were three girls next to me. They were probably 24 years old, something like that. Two of them were engaged. They were admiring their engagement rings. And then one of them had been with someone for a few years and she was waiting for him to ask her to marry him. And she started talking about how her boyfriend's mother had him age 40 and what a high-risk pregnancy that was. And, but it was like... It was, it was like, for some reason, I had to hear that conversation. I wanted to, I, I, I just couldn't believe it. But the some, universe you, is you, sending you to these places to work on these things. Yeah, I think probably to keep my mouth shut in such situations. But um, it was quite funny. But anyway, I, I often hear such funny things or see such funny things. Also, being a Brit in America is just it funny It must be so different. Yeah. Do you think that you're going to ever take this back, the play back to England? I, I would. I would love to do it there. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, that's... I'll do it wherever it's wanted. Yeah. yeah. So it could be anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere in Well, it's, I think it's such a universal story. I mean, it's about relationships. It, it doesn't truly matter is. who she is or where she's from. And when you named the play, yeah. was it just the obvious choice or tell? Not really. And I, and I, I have mixed feelings even Singles now. Single's the, the name for the, the listeners. Yeah, the reason I named it single was because of the play on uh, music. Because oh. there's the word sing in single. And then, I don't know if you people remember 45, singles. Right. So my album is called Singles for Singles. Ah. Right. So um, although it's a collection of songs, it's also singles. So that was why I called it single. Um, yeah. That's pretty much pretty much it. And also, it sort of tells people what they're coming to see. Having said that, this it's not a light-hearted bachelorette party no. uh, musical. So 
we've actually recently changed the graphics and been quite careful to make them a little bit more sophisticated so it doesn't look like you're coming to see a big what was it before it was a sparkly microphone yeah it was too sparkly and pink it's too girly. It was a little... Okay, that makes sense. So what are you looking to do now? That's, I have it. something, actually, I can um, I can show you. Sure. It's a, just a, a graphic with a cassette. And I, I think it's just a bit more grown ah, up. There you go. The classic cassette. I'm not sure the younger generations are going to know what that is. Oh, no. That's what my dad said. Oh, how funny. No, but I like it. Do you think people, they don't know what a cassette is? I don't know. Because oh there was CDs for so long and those became obsolete. Well, if anyone wants, doesn't know what a cassette is, please uh, email Karen oh, and dear. give her your feedback. <laughs> 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 Having gone through this now and sort of sitting and chatting, I can't thank you enough for doing this with me. You've been through quite the process. How long has the process been from, you know, s- sitting down and being like writing the music to where you are today? Oh, well, writing the music, I, I started writing those songs ah, probably 11, 12 years ago. So this is so a the process. Songs, yeah, but the, the, the musical, that's been more, let's say, six, seven years. Okay. But it sounds long and it feels long. Um, but I've also heard it's a very normal... That's the way it goes. Well, Hamilton's on now. That took six years, and he had all the backing in the world and was right. known. He'd already done In the Heights. So that makes me feel slightly better. Someone once told me a, a quote once about Hitler, and it, and it was something like, if Hitler's still alive, I hope he's writing a musical. Ouch. I'm not sure I'd want to see that musical. No, but I think the the idea is it's the hardest thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> so um, fair enough. Yeah, it's not it's not an easy process, but it's a very fun one. What would your takeaway for people who come to see the play, who have listened to this show, who have heard your music? What would you want them to know? What's your takeaway? You hope they get. Well, I think the main thing that um, is my takeaway, and that I would want to pass on, is that. Everyone's path is very different. And um, I really believe in love and I really believe in relationships. And at the same time, I think that they come to people, to different people at different times and that everyone's path is completely different and we all have different things to do. And you know, when I think if I would have married the pilot in, in my show, I would probably be living somewhere near the airport in the UK and I would have kids and there's nothing wrong with that. That's wonderful. But here I am in New York doing a musical. So I don't know where I, would have been, where I would have been happier. But the point is, this is my path. And that wasn't my path. Right. And um, I think it's really easy to want what you haven't got and to miss what you have got. And this idea, you know, people say you should write a gratitude list every day. I think it's really true. I find it very easy to fall into that victim mode of I haven't got this and I haven't got that. And when I have this, my life will start and always waiting. And I have so much. I'm so blessed. I can write songs. I have this show and I have amazing friends around me. That's where I get my love and my family. Um, And I hope that the, the show brings that out and shows that and I think that we that it's just so important right it's so well said too that maybe the new story that your mind can say is you know that whole breakup happened for you to put you onto this trajectory in your life which is heading in this great direction 
there was a client of mine who actually, I was working with her on doing relationship coaching to become in a relationship. And she told me this, there was this wonderful poem and I'll have to post it on my blog, but in, in essence, it was that everyone we meet in life is there to give us some directions or instructions. Mm-hmm. There's, so it's like you meet them and there's just one little thing or maybe more that they're meant to show you if you're open to receiving that message. Right. Even someone you bump into on the street, Absolutely. but you have to be listening and mindful of it. And that message might not come through so clearly right then. It might take you a little bit as you bounce offward with their direction to the next place. I think it's very true. And I don't believe in random. And, you know, if you if you go down that belief system, then, yeah, you have to take everything as a message and also know how important you are to everyone's to everyone you touch right. or come into contact with. Yeah. You smile, they smile. Right. You're miserable, you cry, they cry. And I think what you're doing with this play is you're really making people universally feel what you're going through. It's normal to be single because anyone who is single has the same failure or success rate as everyone else, right? It's 100% unless you're dating and even then you're not guaranteed uh-huh. um, any securities with that. So it, I love that you've done that because... It really shifts people's energy to feel more, you know, there's a bigger picture at play here versus the victim state, which is so like all about self too, which, so I think, you know, in the grand scheme of what you're doing, it's beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, Karen, it's been so nice to actually come to see your beautiful home. I'm actually, we're broadcasting from our home in our beautiful piano and apartment, which is lavishly decorated, (laughs) um, as only a creatives would be. So I thank you so much for having me. No, thank you, Alex. And we actually, look forward to see where this all goes. It's very useful because I realize things more, what the show's about, talking about it, which is which is very yeah, it's uh, not just about you now it's about so many people <laughs> right exactly. which is probably send them all love yeah wonderful well thank you to my listeners and we'll be back next week with another episode of the mental sherpa thank you again for tuning into mental sherpa by theta spring Host Alexandra Janelli hopes she'll join her for another edition next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we meet again, have a nice week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.